Hey, we are in, uh, not really in a series, but doing something last week and this week about, a little about who we are. And who we are, are we are about relationships. We're about relationships. We, we care about that deeply. And so it was funny because last weekend we kind of got surprised because you remember when Pastor Nate was talking about like we took away that little meet and greet time after the first song and said, how many people like that? And like, you know, I'm, my wife and like two other people raised their hand that we did away with that. And then, and then uh, I'm joking, but really introverts don't really love that kind of thing. And then, I, then he asked like, how many people are sad we took it away? And like everybody's raising their hand. And it's like, what? You guys like that? All right, well, you're going to love this today then because we're going to give you about 10 minutes after service to hang out together in the lobby and we're going to have free pizza for you. And you're going you're gonna to get to do that. Now, I know all the introverts right now, you are like dreading after service, right? You're already planning your escape. You have like the auto start button going on your car, right? All of a sudden, you're like setting a lunch appointment with someone that doesn't even exist. I know how you are. I know. I know how it works. So let's talk about relationships for a moment. Where do you go to form healthy character building soul satisfying, heart-shaping friendships. Let me give you a couple options. One, a karaoke bar. <laughs> Have you ever been to one? It's, I, they can be fun, I hear. Um, Craigslist. There, there's people out there looking to hook up with people. Uh, police reports. It's an option. Uh, or number four, you wait at home for an emotionally mature, honest, joy-filled stranger to knock on your door, offer to be your best friend for life. Now, as funny as those are, there are people in Spokane using one of those options. The two most powerful experiences that as a human being we're going to ever experience is both through achieving and through connecting. Connecting has to do with those relational kind of uh, pieces of our world, like falling in love, forming a deep friendship, hearing words of affection. That's connecting. And then achieving has to do with that world of accomplishments. You know, it's the thing, all of these goals that we set for ourselves. It's the hard work that we do. It's entering into a career. It's realizing something, promoting, accomplishing, achieving. Now, do you think that most people spend their time forming and forging deeper connection or going after achievement? I mean, come on. In this culture, in this day and age, most people, most of us, spend the bulk of our time wanting to kind of achieve and feel better about the things we accomplish. And, and, and that's good because that is a powerful experience. But at, at the cost of relationships... It's a dangerous experience. I'm in a life group right now with the McCunes, and we decided to do like a block party in their neighborhood. And uh, they, they're over kind of in the Audubon area. And so we, uh, they started going around inviting neighbors, knocking on the door of their neighbors who they had never met. They'd only lived there about nine months. And uh, nobody had come over with a plate of cookies or anything. And so they're, you know, that's like the olden days, Right. And so they're knocking on the neighbor's doors, talking to their neighbors, handing them an invite. They were excited. The neighbors were like, I'm so glad you're doing this. We used to do that back in the day where neighbors would get together. Neighbors knew neighbors. And yet today, 
Very few neighbors know their neighbors very well. We're doing good to name like two or three neighbors at the very most. And so we live in a society today that is starving for really healthy connection and relationship. And I've never known anybody who succeeded at relationships, who cultivated great friendships, devoted to their family, who mastered the art of both giving and sharing love that has ever ended up at the end of their life regretting. I've walked with several people, many people, in their last days towards leaving this planet. And some people leave with some regrets. But I've never had one say, I, I only wish, Mike, that I spent more time at the office. I've never, I never heard that, ever. <laughs> heard other things. People who give themselves to relational greatness. People who have deep friends that they laugh with and cry with and fight with and forgive with, live with and die with. These are the human beings who will live extraordinary lives whether or not they ever achieve any greatness, according to this world, no matter how low they may be on the rung of somebody else's ladder for success. Being in meaningful relationships, in community, it's life-giving to human beings. It's life-giving, even in the most literal sense. Maybe, maybe you're familiar with the Alameda Research Project. I love that project. Uh, read it years ago. It was done in Alameda County, in California, 7,000 people that they were tracking, and what they found was that the isolated people were three times more likely to die than the most relationally connected people. Now, that's pretty interesting to me because what they discovered is even people who had poor health habits, people who smoked and drank and overate and were obese, people that had drinking issues, but strong relational connectedness, they actually lived longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. In other words, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends <laughs> than broccoli all alone. It's true. It's true. There's also another study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. They took 276 volunteers. They infected all of them with a virus that produces the common cold. And in this study, again, it's published in the Journal of the AMA, they found that people with stronger emotional connectedness, people that had deeper relationships, they did four times better at fighting off illness than those who were more isolated. Those with stronger relational connections were less susceptible to colds, they shed less virus, and they produced significantly less mucus. <laughs> now, that's fascinating to me because it means unfriendly people are snottier <laughs> than friendly people. I'm not making this up. Now, I believe studies like this, really on a biological level, are really reflecting what Scripture teaches us from a spiritual standpoint. You were created for community. You were made for relational connectedness. You were designed by God to be loved and to love, to be served and to serve, to know and be known. And to miss out on that is to miss out on one of the deepest purposes of why we exist as human beings. 
This is why in Scripture, for example, the disciple John wrote this. He said, for anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. In other words, you can't say, I love God, but hate people. Saying, you're a liar. You don't love God then. Anyone who claims to love God needs to love people too. And the fact is, you and I were created for meaningful relationships. There's a phrase in the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. You're probably familiar with this. So many people have read the story of creation. And it's, it's a fascinating repetitive, um, kind of like God's song in creating the world, the heavens and the earth. And it's this refrain. It kind of goes like this. And God said it, and it was so. God saw it, and it was good. And you'll see that repeated over and over again in the scripture, in the story of creation. God, for example, God uh, said, let there be light. And then there was light. And then God saw it. And he said, it's good. And we see that when he creates animals. And he creates the fish of the sea. And he creates the heavens. And God said it. And it was so. And God saw it. And it was good. And then in the very final act of creation, that song comes to the screeching halt. And God creates man in his own image. And God looks at man who bears his likeness. And God said in Genesis chapter 2, it's not good for man to be alone. God looked at the man living independently that he had made. And God said, not good. Now, why did God say that? I mean, what happened here? Did God make a mistake? Does God just like women more than men? I mean, why did he make this radical statement I believe it's because he's making this statement, this radical statement to underscore our need for human relationship. There's no substitute that will fill this need in you or in me. Not money, not achievement, not busyness or books, not recreation or television. And even our relationship with God, God himself did not design us to fill all of that by himself. Think with me, before you call me a heretic, think with me. Adam, in the garden, alone, walking in the cool of the day with God, his father, his creator. Perfect world, no sin, perfect environment. And it's in that context that God said, not good. And God made another human being. That we are made for each other. We need people in our lives. And for me to go down this path of thinking that goes, I don't want to need anyone. I don't need anyone. We're denying the very way that God has made us. We do need people. And we do need a, a church family. And we need people in our lives. Community. Deep connectedness with God and with his people. That's why we were made. God's design and his desire for our lives. We were created for meaningful connection. But also God values community. Look at God himself. Father. Son and Holy Spirit. He's in this perfect place of fellowship and community within himself. That he's different. The, the work of God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, all seen in creation. And then also seen in the new birth in your own life. 
the Father loving us perfectly, the Son coming to this earth and dying on a cross, and the Holy Spirit filling us with his empowerment. Don't you love that? When you look at the body of Christ and you look at the church, we are diverse and we are meant to be that way, and yet God wants us to be unified. Unified. We're different, we're different personalities. We're different ages. We're different culture, different color. And that's beautiful that God has called us in all of these differences to be one. John 17, Jesus prayed this before he went to the before he went to the cross, he said, Holy Father, keep them, care for them, all those you have given me, so that they will be united just as we are. God himself is united, and he experiences perfect fellowship, and he's calling us as well to be a united family, that we see this value of community showing up throughout the Bible. Think about the early church. And you look at Acts chapter 2, and we read about, you know, those amazing things in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and, and, and on. And it says that one of the first things it says is that they met together daily. It says every day they continued to meet together. Day after day they continued to get together. And, and I think that what happens is that we want first century community based on 21st century schedules. And it's not going to happen, folks, that we have, to, we have to actually rearrange some things in our life, and it starts with our values. You know what we do. I mean, I've done it. We go, you know, we need, I'm just so busy lately. We need to get together sometime. See you later. You know? Or, hey, let's do lunch. Can I tell you something? You don't do lunch. You eat lunch. Or my favorite. When things slow down, then we'll get together. When's that? When you die, you'll have plenty of time for people to visit you at your casket. Life doesn't slow down. Your schedule doesn't all of a sudden magically free up with all kinds of margin for you to go hang out with people now. Certainly doesn't for me. But, but God has called us into relationship, even in the midst of our busyness, that there's something that he wants for us that, that, that we have to see it so that we can begin to make those adjustments in our schedules so that we can actually pursue it. When we have life group, maybe you've experienced this, several of you, or many of you are in life groups, and maybe you can relate to this. You know, you have a long day, it's stressful, it's long. You've encountered maybe different things with people or meetings or whatever. You get home. Life group's like in 45 minutes, and you're like going, ah, I don't know if I want to go to life group tonight. Am I the only one that's ever thought that, ever felt that? I want to just shut the drapes and just turn on the TV. But there's a huge difference because when, I'll, when I push myself and I go, which I do, you know, at least one out of ten times. No, I go most of the time. But when I go, what I realize is that what my soul's been craving is relationship, real relationship, not just meetings, not just people stuff, not just work, not just stress. But we often misinterpret what's going on in our own heart, and so we want to eat potato chips when we're hungry for something healthier. And that's true in relationships. 
that we can isolate, insulate, pull back from other people, just go, I don't have time for that, I don't really need that. All of those is false thinking, because we do. We don't just need more meetings, but we need people who will get real, who will be honest, who will pray for us, who care about us. We need that in our lives. Doing life together, it's going to cost some time and some energy. You know why? Because people are messy. And there's, there's this thing of, of time that it takes to enter into that. Like if you end up in a, in a confrontation with someone where you've got to work out a problem, that takes energy to do that. Or to break through shyness when you just want to pull back. Or to face jealousy or competitiveness with another person and work through that all the way to the other side. That's time consuming. And in the short run, it's just easier not to do it. But the problem is, is that people are messy and they're imperfect. And you and I are going to have to connect with imperfect, broken people. You know why? It's the only kind there are. There isn't another kind. There was this article in a magazine I read once, totally normal women who stalk their ex-boyfriends. I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> totally normal. Like, not just normal women, totally normal women. What would one of those look like? Or a totally normal man? What would one of those look like? I mean, there's no such thing. None of us have arrived. All of us need God in our lives. None of us speak truth the way that God intends us to speak truth. None of us have minds that just think pure thoughts all of the time. None of us have mouths that just constantly uphold and edify other people. I want to give you a deep theological thought this morning. This is profound. It can be said, though, in just two words. Here it is. Everybody's weird. <laughs> it's true. Everybody has brokenness. Everybody has habits they wish they could break. Everybody has blind spots. I just think my blind spots are less than yours. That's all. <laughs> Everybody has patterns that they want to keep secret. Everybody has fear. Everybody has pride. Everybody has stuff in their life they need transformed by the Holy Spirit. And if you're going to connect with people, you're going to have to connect with broken, weird people. Because that's the only kind there are. And it takes time. And it takes energy. And some of you are like, that's why I'm not doing it. <laughs> Last idea is this. You and I need healthy accountability in our lives. The writer of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 24, says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, being a Christian is more than just being a, in this lone ranger walk with God. It's just me and God. God did not design it to be you and God. He designed you to, to live and work and move and grow in your faith in relationship with other people. And we need people in our lives to hold us accountable for the very things that we want to see happen through our lives. Accountability is not policing, by the way. Accountability is believing in people. It's believing in who they can become, that God has a destiny and a desire for each one of us. And when I bring others into my life and give them permission to speak into my life and ask hard questions of me, 
That's the very pathway to grow. That's how we grow. It's some of those hard questions, and it's those people that have been in my life that have been the greatest turning points of my life for growth. That's why Rooted is such an important thing here at North Church. We talk about it a lot. It's a 10-week discipleship journey that uh, we're starting up the sign-ups here in a couple weeks. As a matter of fact, you can sign up today for it. But maybe you've heard of it, Rooted. Why do you guys keep talking about Rooted? Well, let me give you three relationships that you'll grow in when you take Rooted. First, with God. You'll grow in your relationship with God. You will learn to listen to God and His voice. You'll be encouraged. You'll be taught and challenged in your faith, in your prayer life. And learning to make a habit of reading the word and, and, and listening to God and spending time with him. He'll free you from uh, habits and strongholds in your life and, and thinking that has held you back in your faith. You will grow in your relationship with God. But you'll also grow in your relationship with yourself. That through rooted and in rooted, when we talk about spiritual gifts, you're going to learn about yourself. You're going to learn about what spiritual gifts has God placed in me. Most of us discount ourselves and think, ah, oh, God, he wants to use other people, probably not me. But God wants to use you, and you'll learn about yourself in that. But you'll also grow in your relationship with other people. Because as when people come together and they get honest and they get real and that we quit posturing and we quit trying to just put, always show just our best side, and when we just get real, God works. And that happens over and over and over again in Rooted that we, we share our story and our life and we listen and what we find out is everybody's struggling in something. Relational accountability means caring about people and entering into one another's lives, being transparent. Hundreds of you have taken Rooted. And you're like, well, what's that next step? Well, I'll tell you. It's are you in a group that meets regularly with other Christians who are, who are speaking into your life, holding you accountable? Do you have that in your life? God wants that for you. Whether it's through a life group or whether it's through a leadership cohort or whether it's through some other form of a group that you're meeting regularly with other people who you've given permission to speak into your life and you're being real in that context. Spiritually encouraging and enriching relationships. We need that. During the wintertime, you know, the heavy snows hit and that wet snow hits. And then we'll, you've probably experienced this. You look out into a forest and you see all of the tree limbs kind of bowed down on top of one another. And when trees are close together, their limbs touch each other and they hold each other up under the heavy snows. But when you find a tree all alone and the wet snow hits, it often will sit there and break off a branch. And it'll just lay there in the lonely cold. And... The reality is we need each other. We need to lean on each other because there will be times in our life when crisis hits, when difficulties hit. And when that hits, who do you have in your life? Can I, can I just share something with you? The worst time to be pursuing deep relationship is in a crisis. The best time is when you don't have a crisis. That means probably for a lot of us right now, you're busy, yes. But that's when you want to pursue and deepen the relationship so that when the day of evil comes, you have people in your life caring for you, loving you, praying for you, helping you walk through it. So when it hits, 
when life gets stressful, when it gets difficult, when you fail, when you sin, do you pursue friendship? Do you press into friendship and into relationship, or do you, or do you run away from it? God wants us to understand that we need each other. I need you, and I think you need me, and we need each other in our lives, and that means that's a decision that we pursue, and we're going to do it together. Well, let's pray. Before we do, I do want to say one more thing. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> Three things. Make time for a relationship. Make time. The second one is to initiate relationship. Initiate. That means that, that means we have to stop waiting on someone else to come and be the one. And that's really hard for introverts. I get it. But we have to try and do our best to step out there and initiate. And, uh, and here's the last one to be thinking about is ask questions and listen to people's life story. People love to tell their story. And we want to just be great at asking questions and listening well. Well, Lord, we just pray right now that you would help us as we dive deeper into relationships. God, help us, especially in our busyness, to see where and how we can intentionally place growing relationships at the top of our list instead of if we have leftovers. Show us how, work in us, strengthen us, build us as a family, we pray here at North Church. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, hey, I'm going to let you guys go out into the lobby. There is free pizza. Now, don't just run off because, matter of fact, if you have kids, they're not even ready to be picked up yet. I'm letting you out solid 10 minutes, maybe 15 early, and they're not even ready for you to go get your kids, so you just have to go wander out in the lobby, hang out. It's not a hard assignment. There's pizza. <laughs>